I want to tell you a story that I heard recently from a man named Trevor Moawad. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. He was an athletic trainer, but not just any kind of athletic trainer. He was what you call an athletic brain trainer. He teaches athletes how to think. Very successful. Apparently, he's been used by my uh, beloved Georgia Bulldogs, who must be working because they won the national championship in football last year. Unfortunately, Trevor Moad passed away um, this, this past year. But I heard him tell this story about a troubled youth. Now, I tried to go and find out if this story was true. I couldn't, I couldn't find out. I just listened to Trevor tell it. But uh, he heard the story about this troubled kid in high school. This kid was failing out of school, getting into trouble, um, just just not doing well, single mom, having a hard time. But uh, his mom urged him like, son, you need to go take the SAT. And he didn't want to do it. He said, well, what's the use? But he did it anyway. And he got back his scores a few months later. And his score was a 1480 out of 1600, which is like an excellent score. So the first thing his mom asked him when she heard his score was, how'd you do it, son? How did you cheat on the SAT? <laughs> he said, mom, I, I, I swear I didn't cheat. This is the, the score I got. Well, from this point forward, this, this young man, things began to change in his life. He, he began to think, okay, I guess, I guess I'm kind of smart. And so he started studying. Started, next thing you know, he's, he's making better grades. Next thing you know, his teachers are treating him different. Instead of just treating him like the, the, the problem child or the, or the class clown, they, they start investing in him. He graduates high school, turns it around, goes on to community college, eventually goes on to the university keeps moving on and on. And as time goes on, he becomes the CEO of a very successful, I believe it was like a, like a magazine company or something along those lines. Well, years later, he, he gets a letter in the mail from the, the SAT people. <laughs> and the SAT people inform him that the particular year that he took the SAT there was, there was a, a problem with some people, a few people who took it that year. And they were giving, given falsely high scores. That his score, rather than being a 1480 out of 1600, that it was, it was a 740. Not such a good score at all. See, the point of this story is, <laughs> is not that, hey, smart kids can, can make it. <laughs> this kid didn't do well on the SAT. The point of it, see, see, remember last week we learned about Bill Buckner in the 1986 World Series? That he self-prophesied his own uh, error that ended up costing them the Red Sox, the, the championship that year. See, here's the point. What you expect 
matters. And what you say matters. So we need to be careful with what we're expecting and perhaps even more careful with what we're saying. Welcome back to the Such Things podcast, where we have been talking this summer about living your best life. Living your best life. Um, you know, in that story there, Trevor Moawad, he, he went on to talk about how studies have found that the power there's power of positive thinking, okay? But the power of negative thinking is actually been shown to be even greater than the power of positive thinking. Isn't that interesting? So you can, positive thinking is, is, is good, but then when you think negatively about yourself, when you think I'm a loser, like that kid, I just, I'm not, I'm not gonna be anything. I'm not gonna do anything that high school kid, or like Bill Buckner, oh, the worst thing I could do would be to, you know, this error. These negative thoughts, these negative words, they're powerful, in fact, even more powerful than just positive thinking. He also said that studies have, have shown that the power of our thoughts is not as great as the power of our words. But then the power of our words is not as great as the powers, the power of our behaviors, our actions. Now, we know as Christians that the power of the Holy Spirit in us is greater still. So what if, guys, what if we get our thoughts, our words, our behaviors all lined up with the Holy Spirit. Now that is a powerful formula. That's what I call the faith formula. It's a formula that Jesus knew well. It's a formula that we've been exploring in this series this summer. It's, it's why Jesus could sleep through the storm, and then come out there and speak to the storm. In Luke chapter 8, we've been looking at this story. Let's read it again. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Let's learn some lessons from Jesus. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. Where's your faith? In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds 
in the water and they obey him. Let's talk a little bit more about this story. Let's have a sip of coffee together. Let's get into it. Look at their words. Master, master, we're going to drown. See what they're doing with their words? See the, the faithlessness in their words? I, I, actually, I think they did have faith. They had faith in something. They had faith that they were going to drown. We're going to drown. We have faith in it. We're speaking it. We're stating it. What did Jesus do with his words? After he woke up from his nap there, which <laughs> I, I still love that. I, man, we, we were traveling last week and uh, got back. And then I, I, I took my in-laws to the airport yesterday morning at 4 a.m. And um, I was so tired. I had to take a nap uh, yesterday. Naps are good. Jesus woke up from his nap. And what did he do with his words? He spoke to his storm. The other gospel accounts of this story, it says that, that he comes out and he says, quiet, be still. And the winds and water obeyed him. They became still. Why? How? Well, he's Jesus. Okay, but, but, but he's a man like us too. He's showing us something. What is he demonstrating to us? He had faith in the Father. It's this faith that he was always looking for in other people. Go read all the stories about Jesus. He was always looking for it. He's looking for it still as you're listening to this, this podcast, as you're driving down the highway. He's looking down, trying to see, will I find faith? Where's faith? Where's the men and women with faith? See, faith in the Father was and is Jesus' secret weapon. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it says that God, our God, our Father, calls things that are not as though they were. Jesus said, quiet. And so it became. Jesus said, be still. And so it became. Where there was a squall and a storm sweeping over the boat, he spoke to his storm. But see, he was quiet. He was still on the inside. That's what we've been talking about the past few weeks. This is why he could sleep through the storm, even as they were screaming through the storm, because he believed something about the storm and about the situation and about his father. I wonder, what do we believe? Like, what are like our core beliefs about life, about God? I wonder this about myself sometime. Like, like I, I claim I'm a Christian. I, I'm doing a podcast for, for crying out loud. I mean, but like really, what does my day-to-day -day betray about my true core beliefs? What do we believe? Let me tell you some things that the apostles believed. You know, Paul said in Ephesians 1, verse 3, he says, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. I have every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
You know what Peter said? Peter said, we have everything we need for life and godliness. Peter believed that. I have everything I need for life and godliness. I think Jesus was on that boat that day. He knew these things to be true. He said, I got every spiritual blessing. I have everything I need for life and godliness. He had faith in these things. He thought, spoke, and acted accordingly. It was, it was all lined up. It's the faith formula. But this formula, it works in reverse as well. We, we must be very careful about speaking faithless words. We're going to drown. Remember the prophet Jeremiah? The prophet Jeremiah. Go back and read Jeremiah chapter 1. God calls this great prophet in, into his, you know, he, he receives his calling. God says, I'm calling you, young Jeremiah. You will be my man, my prophet. And Jeremiah's response was, great, sign me up. No, 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 that wasn't it. He said, no. He, Jeremiah said back to God, uh, I'm only a child. You got the wrong guy. How can I do this? I'm only a child. You know what God said back to him? He said, do not say, I'm only a child. Don't say that. Don't speak that way about yourself or about my calling to you. God goes on to tell Jeremiah, let me tell you who you are. He says, you are a bronze wall, a fortified city, and an iron pillar. So you must go and say whatever I tell you to say. You're a prophet. Don't speak faithless words about yourself, Jeremiah, more or less. See, I think the Bible tells us that, that Satan has some words for us too. Satan's in your ear and in my ear. It says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, that Satan is an accuser. An accuser. He wants to whisper words into our hearts, into our minds, that he wants to tear you down in your mind, to tear down your faith to get you to say things about yourself. But let me tell you what Brother Paul said in Philippians chapter one. Remember, <clears throat> past few episodes, I've been talking about Paul in the book of Philippians. Paul was in jail, chained, when he wrote these words. Such a faithful, joyful book. But Paul says something powerful. Philippians chapter one, verse six, he says, look, I'm confident of this, that, <clears throat> that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, when the devil wants to accuse you and say, oh, you're failing, you're failing, you, you can't do it. I'm only a child. Who am I? A nothing. Paul says, no, 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 I'm confident in you that God it began a good work in you and he's going to carry it on to completion. But he's not done with you yet. God is working in you. God is working on you. So when you're tempted to think, I'm messing up, well, yeah, you know, you might be. But God still believes the best in you. He's working on you, working in you, trying to change you. God believes the best in you. But get this, even though he knows there's a beast in you, 
He sees the best in you. He believes the best in you. He's working in you to bring out that best version of you. But he knows there's a beast in you. He knows your sinful nature. He's not blind to it, but he still believes the best in you. And he has plans for you. Jeremiah later went on to say that God has plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you. You know, I think sometimes we know that God loves us, but it's hard for us to remember that God likes us. God made you and with a plan for your life, like an awesome plan for you to, to, to live your best life, to help other people, to, to be a part of his kingdom. For me, I have to be very careful of, of the whole the negative self-talk. It, it's, it's faithless. You know, sometimes I catch myself saying like, oh, David, man, you're, I'm such an idiot. I'm just saying it to myself. Ah, I'm an idiot. Ah, so dumb. Why'd I do that again? You know, Lisa, my wife, she helps me a lot here. She said, don't, don't talk that way because, you know, it spills over to our kids. Lately, we've been helping Isaac with this. He'll say, oh, I'm so stupid. And when he does that, Lisa will look at me like, hey, see, we got to set a good example for him. And he'll, he'll, she'll say, Isaac, don't say that. She'll make him apologize to himself. She'll say, you tell Isaac you're sorry. God didn't make Isaac stupid. You tell yourself you're sorry. If you said that to one of your brothers or sisters, your brother or your sister, we'd say, you need to apologize to them. They're not stupid. So apologize to yourself. You're not stupid. Remember um, that there's a great verse in Habakkuk chapter two. <laughs> it says, God, God tell the prophet Habakkuk, he says, I, I want you to write down your vision. Write down the vision, vision that I'm giving you, Habakkuk. And God says, though it linger, wait for it. Write down this vision. Though it linger, wait for it. Just wait. I got plans for you. So recently, I, I, I actually wrote down my visions and dreams for my life, for my family, for my church. And I just thought, okay, what, what are some of the things, like crazy things, by faith things? Not, not even, they're not all crazy. Just like, what are my visions? My hopes and dreams by faith for my life and the people I love and my church. And, and I just, I just wrote, I just, in my quiet time journal, I just filled up a page and wrote down, I don't know, it was 10 or 15 things. It was interesting what started coming out of my heart, out of my mind, out of my pen, onto the page. And, and then here's what I did. I started reading, reading these things aloud to God in my quiet times as if it were a present reality. I would say, I would just state it to God as if he was already doing it. It was happening. It felt kind of weird. Honestly, I need to start doing it again. I, I did it for, you know, over, over the course of a week or so. And it, it feels a little stupid to do that. It felt kind of dumb or weird. But, but what I'm doing when I do that is I'm, I'm getting my faith and my words 
lined up with Jesus and his Holy Spirit. Because, see, back to our story on the boat. If Jesus is in my boat, then that changes the story. It changes how I view the storm. It changes where I think this boat is going. Because Jesus was in control on that boat, on that fateful day of the storm. If I'm in the boat with Jesus, then we're going somewhere. And and a word from Jesus changed everything that day. This is what David knew back when he faced that Goliath, that, that giant Goliath. Remember, we just did a series on, on David, and what did he what did he say that day when he was facing that giant? He says, The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The, the boat is Jesus is in the boat. The boat is Jesus's. The, the storm, Jesus is in control of the storm. It's like when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were getting thrown in that fiery furnace. Remember that story? Because they wouldn't bow down, they wouldn't compromise. And the king said, that's it, you're going, you're going in the, the fiery furnace or in the, the, the ferny virus, as one man, as one preacher once said. They threw him in the ferny virus. Uh, <laughs> um, but as they're, as they're throwing him in, they said, you know what, we're not scared because the God whom we serve, see, we can't bow down to your God because we serve another God, the real God. And, and that God, he'll deliver us from the fire. But they said, even if he does not, Even if he does not, ooh, see, that's next level faith. Even if Goliath wins this one, even if the boat drowns, you know, we drown in this storm. Whoa, that's faith. See, we don't know how the storm will end, but like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we trust our God no matter what. We, we we do it. We need to kind of beware of the what I call the the until mindset, or the win mindset. See, I'll be happy when. I can't really have faith until God does this for me. No, 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 no. Jesus was asleep during the storm. We we need to trust and be at rest now in the storm. That's why I talked about the last two podcasts. I think to get to that point, though, we've got to pray the way Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was bracing for the storm of his life. Before he went to the cross, he said, God, take this cup away from me, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. Even if he does not, this is faith, is surrender, it's submission. God, you know what? My life is yours. I love the old song and I pray this, I pray this often in my prayers. Remember that song? Father, I adore you and I lay my life before you. How I love you. I pray that a lot. Father, I adore you. And I lay my life before you. Thy will be done. I don't always know where this is going, 
but my faith is in you. When we say these words, we pray this prayer, thy will be done. We are declaring like Jesus did that day in the garden. We're declaring our trust in our Father. Like Jesus, we're saying, I know you're good. I submit to your good plans. And we can remember the words of our brother Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. It says, The word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The word of God is indeed at work in you who believe. God is working. Listen to me now. Listen to me right now. God is working in your life. Now, God is using you for His good purposes. Whatever you're going through, we know this. His Word is working. And the, uh, one of the prophets said, I believe Isaiah, His Word will not return empty. So look for it. Expect it. That's faith. Get in the Word. If you hadn't been in the Word, no wonder. Guys, when I'm not in the Word, my faith gets weak. The Word. Our faith comes from hearing the Word, Brother Paul says. So get in the Word and find some faith in there to grab onto some promises. I've just quoted a bunch of scriptures to you today. You might want to go back through the podcast, jot those down, make some note cards, tape them to your mirror, put them in your car, put them in your pocket. Get these words, these promises from God into your mind, into your heart, into your mouth. Speak them and then behave and act accordingly. It's the faith formula. God is working. Know it. Expect it. Look for it. It's an incredibly liberating way to live. To just be like, you know what? I'm in a storm right now, but God's working. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I can't wait to see what my Father has planned. That's how Jesus was when he was on that boat in that storm. Hey, my Father, I don't know what he's doing, but he'll get us through it. See, but Jesus works most and works best where there is this spirit of faith and expectancy. Just look through the Gospels. He was always looking for it. So look. Look for where he's working. Expect it. Look for it. I love the final question of Luke chapter 8 of this story. He got up. He rebuked the wind, the raging waters. The storm subsided. All was calm. And he turns to it back to his disciples. Who are, who are just dumbfounded at this point. And he says, he asks them a question. Jesus is always asking these great questions of people. He says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? The other gospel accounts, some of them say, he says, why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? I think it's all about this question. We need to get our thoughts, words, and actions lined up with our, pa- our faith. Jesus is asking you right now, where's your faith? Why are you so afraid? You might want to, after this podcast, do some journaling. What, what really, what am I afraid of? If you've been angry lately, you've been discouraged lately, you've been anxious, stressed, overwhelmed, upset, unwell, troubled, I can almost guarantee you, get to the bottom of it, and Jesus would ask you, 
Why are you so afraid? What are you afraid of? Where's your faith? See if you can answer those questions. Because guys, Jesus is in the boat. (laughs) Don't forget who's in the boat with you. Whose boat you got into? The wave tamer. The storm calmer. Man, if you're not in his boat yet, like you're not, you're not a disciple yet, you're not a Christian yet, please go and find someone to disciple you and, and, and help you to get baptized. Get in the boat with Jesus. He is the wave tamer. He is the storm calmer. And all of our faith is in him. the Lord today, for He is all my hope and stay. Our God is good, His name is great, hallelujah.